0: Helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future, Schroder's actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients.
1: Hello, my name is Sean Schaefer and welcome to the Citywide Wealth Manager podcast. The 60-40 portfolio has been a mainstay of modern portfolio theory with a greater weighting towards equities over bonds being a feature of the typical portfolio. However, more recently that approach has come into question as returns from both asset classes have become challenging, with issues being exacerbated by the coronavirus pandemic. I spoke with John Pryor, Chief Investment Officer at Petronas Partners, to see if there are any alternatives for investors. What's wrong with the traditional 60-40 approach at the moment?
0: Well, I mean, first we need to recognise that it's done a fantastic job for, you know, for a very, very long time. I mean, you know, certainly as long as anybody investing in the markets today has got any experience of it's done fantastically well. Um, but while we can debate the valuation and prospective returns for equities, the major issue going forward is that the fixed income component, its ability to perform its traditional role has been severely impaired. Firstly. Um, you know yields are so low that they've removed the steady safe source of income that they always were secondly the proximity to the zero lower bound means that further price appreciation from from bonds which usually occurs during equity market sell-offs is the potential for that is pretty limited going forward um, uh, thirdly the potential for capital losses if rates actually do go up is is more acute with rates where they are at the moment so so all of these things are important but also, um, and th- I think this is probably the biggest point I would make. Bonds have got a lot of potential for sort of real or inflation-adjusted losses over longer time periods. Um, this is, due, you know, particularly if governments continue to push hard on inflationary policies to get economies going, keeping inflation much higher than uh, than, than yields in a sort of financial repression. So I think, in summary, returns are going to be low, and their ability to, to to diversify equity risk is much less than it once was, and and that's basically the the, the reality facing all investors at the moment.
1: Okay, so so what about fixed income? Can that still be used as a defensive asset class? Yeah, I mean it can to an extent in
0: the sense that high quality sort of sovereign bonds or investment grade debts can still deliver real returns in a deflationary environment, like you know, for example we've seen in Japan for a long time. Uh, if inflation. Um, is negative and fixed income yields are zero, for example, then real returns are positive. So in an extreme deflationary regime, these bonds would still be the best performing asset class. Or another way would be if central banks were to take base rates into extreme negative territory which would mean that there is still room for the whole yield curve to move move below zero and, and so there is in that scenario there is the potential for, for, for more capital appreciation. So they, they still have a role but I think given the strong incentives for policymakers to avoid the, these sort of severe negative outcomes and the fact they've got you know, a lot of tools at their disposal in terms of um, uh, uh, central banks' monetary policy with fiat currencies, allocating 40% or 50% even to to this type of security to protect from this extreme adverse scenario is too high if one wants to generate any sort of, you know, meaningful real returns going forward. So they still have a place, but a lower allocation and you know, I would describe more as a tactical asset than a cornerstone asset, as they always have been. Would be the way I would frame it.
1: And obviously, um, governments around the world have been piling on the debt. Um, is that a, yeah. is that going to be an issue? Um, are, are some governments going to be defaulting on their debts sort of in a couple of years? Is that a worry?
0: Um, I don't. Certainly not in um, certainly not in developed markets with um, sovereigns that issue their own currency. So it, it's highly it's highly unlikely, for example, that the US or the UK or Japan even is is going to um, default on a sovereign bond in a currency that they can effectively print in infinite quantities. So so I don't see see a nominal default from high-quality sovereign bonds as a a real risk. However, I do see um, real losses on those bonds due to the policies that would need to be put in place to avoid any, any sovereign bulk default in an adverse situation. You know, I see that as much more of a risk.
1: And, and you've mentioned that, sort of, that there's normally um, a negative correlation between bonds and equities. And perhaps you could explain why this hasn't been the case during the current crisis.
0: Well, I mean, so there's a there's a number of there are a number of reasons. Certainly, in the early stages of the, of the crisis, where yields had a, a way to fall, we we certainly did see some you know we did see some protection in it. But now we've re- reached the the zero lower bound. It's it's very difficult unless we get an ext- further extreme change in policy for rates to go much lower. So, it's 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 for that reason. It's for that reason really.
1: And, and on the equity portion, the 60%, if you will, um, obviously, that, that's not looking in particularly great shape either. And, and we've got, I mean, tech is looking incredibly stretched and seems to be the only place where investors are sort of chucking money at the moment. But I mean, where can investors go in, in the equity portion o- over the next couple of years?
0: Well, I mean, it's certainly you know tech's been the standout been the standout performer, and you know it's been well talked about. I mean, I think that the, the the truth is that the equity markets aren't um, in absolute terms. You know, they're certainly not you know cheap. I mean, certainly they're on the expensive side, but in absolute terms i mean judged against you know judged against fixed income curves that they they don't look overly expensive and i think you know i think if one looks across the markets i think that you know the, the the value stocks that have been hammered um relative to growth stocks in recent times probably look like one of the only asset classes that are you know one could consider actually you know cheap in, in, in the traditional sense. So I think I think the I think equity markets won't be without their challenges in the difficult environment going forward. But over the longer term I expect them to do much better in real terms than fixed income markets because the policies that are going to have to be put in place to ensure that that, that economies remain liquid and solvent are much better for the equity market than the other bond market.
1: So what are the alternatives to the 60/40 uh, weighting and, and how are you changing your portfolio weighting?
0: Well, I mean, you know, so so the the first thing to say is it's it's tricky because, you know, you've had a you've had a cornerstone asset class which has just, you know, been a fantastic performer for investors for a very, very long time and pretending you can just replace that with something else and it's going to be as powerful a, a diversifier it is not true you know the, the reality is is it's building a, a portfolio with with decent real returns going forward is much much more difficult than it was ten twenty years ago that 's just the the reality of the situation i mean the first thing one can do is you know, what what 's called the, you know the traditional reach for yield is to take on a bit more a bit more risk, so you can go, you know, down the credit spectrum with bonds, or you could look at emerging market debt, for example. But these things are, you know, you're taking on more risk to do that. So effectively, that's just increasing the risk in the portfolio. So it may have some place, but it's not something I particularly like, particularly in the credit market, because um, unlike equities, which have sort of unlimited upside, the the the, the best you're going to get from a, uh, you know, from a high yield bond is is the yield on that bond, and 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 the downside in in, in Know poor outcomes can can be can be quite significant. So uh, you know one of the things we we've, we've done, for example, we've assembled a um a basket of absolute return funds that aim to generate you know five percent plus, say, with no correlation to equities. And that lack of correlation is important because you know a lot of funds that claim to be absolute return can often you know have a high de- you know higher degree of correlation to 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 risk assets than one would want. Um. And that's not as helpful as a negative correlation when building a portfolio, but it's it's certainly something. Um, absolute return funds are sort of low-duration assets which don't get hurt by rising rates, which is, you know, unlike most of the other assets apart from cash.
1: But, I mean, that that sector, the absolute return sector, mm. has been doing pretty poorly as a whole over the past it couple of years. Um, so, it, it you know, has. How, how, is there enough of a case for it?
0: Well, I mean, you know... Certainly, and another thing is, is it's not cheap either. You know, you know, getting this this space, you know, investing in this space does come with higher cost than one can, you know, get, you know, when investing in more traditional assets. But yeah, you know, what we're looking here is, is we're not saying let's put a massive allocation to it, but we're trying to we're trying to create a building block, if you like, you know, to to a component of the portfolio that isn't going to fall when risk assets fall, and has the potential. To generate a modest return over cash, in you know, the, to, to to offset some of the, the the yield lost elsewhere. So, you know, certainly the basket we've put together hasn't done fantastically well. In, you know, when when looked at, you know, in comparison to, to to equity markets, particularly U.S. equity markets over over recent years, but the, the, it has delivered a positive return. And when looked at as a you know as an alternative to cash or, or to fixed income you know it, it, it has a place and it can dampen portfolio volatility
1: and and what allocation would you be putting in the average portfolio
0: to to that to
1: that yeah. strategy
0: not huge i mean some somewhere in the region of um five to ten percent something like that
1: okay and and what absolute funds absolute return funds do you like who who have you allocated to
0: um so we we've got a number so we've got um We've got the, a, an old mutual fund, we've got a Jupiter fund, so the, 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 there's half a dozen in there. We've also got, um, uh, we also quite like, which is a slightly different style of, of fund, which is the um, BH Macro, which is a uh, you know, global macro, macro hedge fund, which is much more volatile than an absolute return fund, but blends quite well. And, you know, for example, did very well in March when, uh, when markets were weak.
1: Yeah. Um, what about other areas of, of- alternatives anything sort of along the the precious metal commodity side is yeah, that, is that so, something that you'd be looking at
0: a hundred percent so so we're you know we're particularly keen on gold at the moment as a diversifier so so gold we you know we think can be thought of as a as a effectively a zero coupon index link bond of infinite duration with a modest modestly positive real yield so and given the likelihood in the years ahead of persistently negative real interest rates in which are going to be required you know, in heavily indebted economies, it's very likely that rates are going to be pinned well below the, the level of inflation for a long time to come. We think that works very well for, for, for gold going forward.
1: I suppose it's difficult with gold. I mean, there's been such a flurry of investment into the asset class, um, if you could call it an asset class on its own, but th- there's been a lot of money going into gold over the past couple of months as, as a defence mechanism. But in the same way, Money can be re- withdrawn such uh, equally yeah, as dollar. easily, you know. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of money in the ETFs there. So, I mean, is that not a concern for you?
0: No, no not at all. I mean, I, I would actually uh, take that the other way. So, if you if you look at broad institutional allocations to gold across, you know, uh, they're very very low relative to what would be required to have a a meaningful holding in the portfolio. So, you know. You know, I, I I don't have exact figures, but I would speculate. You know, you're in the region of one percent or something like that of, of, of institutional assets in gold at the moment. And it's very very small compared to the the fixed income universe with which, um, it, it, you know, in our eyes, it's competing for an allocation. So, I, I would I would say that that the, the completely the other way. I would say we're very in the very in the early innings of. of um rotation in that
1: space well i suppose another issue with gold is that the, there's not much of it about i suppose the actual amount of physical gold existing in the world is is limited isn't it and, and uh, not much of it gets gets mined each year i mean uh, is that a concern as well the the amount of supply
0: no that again that's a, that's absolutely what we're looking for the lack of you know the, the amount that the 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 investable value of gold is is not only a function of how much gold there is, but a function of the gold price and the, the limited supply is 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 absolutely what we're looking for in terms of a, uh, an asset that can that can perform in a in a period of uh, financial repression.
1: Obviously, with alternative investments, we, we associate a little bit more risk. Um, and, and are they going to be suitable for every investor?
0: no i mean and, and you've got to be a bit careful here so, you know particularly in very difficult periods if you go back to march for example that you know you, you you have a lot of different you know different asset classes infrastructure real estate for example but but when it came to um when it came to a crisis they they all sold off together and so so i i, I investors have got to be aware of the um of the correlations of, you know, what they hold and, and what the likely moves would be going forward. So, you know, this is a, you know, this is a, this is a hostile and difficult environment with which to provide investors what, what they want, which is, you know, um, a, a, a steady but, you know, reasonable return uh, to grow their savings on a real basis. And it isn't easy.
1: Yeah. And um, what about kind of opportunities on the unlisted side? I mean, I know people have mentioned sort of things like private equity and venture capital, but I, I suppose that's not the easiest thing to access for unless you're an in- incredibly wealthy investor. I mean, it, can that be integrated into sort of the average person's portfolio?
0: Not easily, no. Um, and, and also, I, I would call, you know, private equity is equity. You know, it's it's not a, I, I wouldn't view it as a, in terms of the, the, the risks, the the risks and rewards obviously that they're, they're exposed to the same risk factors. So, so I'm not, um, it, it, it isn't something that we look to allocate to, um, in, in a meaningful way.
1: Obviously, if there if there's worries over bond portfolios or, or the bond market, if, if, if there's a big shift out of bonds, it's obviously a huge market, the bond market. Um, And that goes into alternative products. Um, could we see a sort of rapid rise in those products? Um, over the next couple of years.
0: Uh, I mean, to to an extent. I mean, it's. I think it's. You know, I think it's very difficult for. Large institutional pots of money to move wholesale out of out of this the, the the fixed income trap that they're in. You know, there's a lot of institutional constraints and regulatory constraints and benchmarks and all sorts of things. So, so I don't I don't necessarily see that that you know a huge rush, but more more a sort of a, a steady drip over time.
1: Okay, uh, so so it's not getting quick on alternatives.
0: I, I don't I don't think so. Save that y- y- I think there is there is. Yeah, there, there, there is going to be a benefit to be a, an early mover rather than, than a late mover on, you know in, in this way. But you know, we're not talking about we're not we're not talking about you know wholesale overnight change, but, but uh, a shift in the in the in the balance in portfolios along the lines that we've discussed. Schroder's is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.